Hey everyone, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Brad, I'm one of the pastors at CA Church, and I am very excited to be with you this Father's Day weekend as we continue our series, We the Church, looking at what it means to call ourselves the community of God, what it means to live in our family of faith, what it means to live out the reality of a God who so loved the world that he gave his only son and that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. What does that look like in the everyday? This brown house you see behind me is the house that I spent the first 12 years of my life. You can actually still see uh, where the paint is a little darker from where a van crashed into our house sending my parents bed jettisoning across their bedroom. I was sleeping outside in the back porch and came running in around four in the morning. And even though I haven't stepped foot in this house for over 35 years, I still feel as though I have the entire place mapped out in my mind. I can remember where my bedroom was when I shared it with my brother, both upstairs when uh, I had the top bunk and downstairs in the basement when we shared a larger room. I can remember uh, where the laundry was, where my dad's workshop was, my sister's bedroom, which, bedrooms, which I was not allowed to be in, the, the cool black iron fireplace that we had in the living room and the far less cool bright red carpet that we had all over the, the living room as well. I remember the green and yellow linoleum, our, our, our back porch where my brother and I used to sleep overnight in our sleeping bags on cots reading Archie comics. And I, I remember the, long, the, the large concrete slab in the back where my dad would pour water so that we could skate in the winter. I remember the, the crawl space underneath the house and all the tools that were stored there. I remember the garage in the back where my mother stepped on the gas instead of the brake and crashed right through the wall and almost into the, the next garage. Sorry, Mom. I remember where the hamper was, where I'd hide for hide-and-go-seek, and, and the, the pitch-black closet where I, I woke up after sleepwalking, standing in a pitch-black closet, not knowing where I was, screaming until my sister came and helped find my way out. Throughout my life, even as I look at this house now, I remember different conversations at the dinner table, conversations when my parents would ask us about our day, about what we did, about whether or not I'd stolen my sister's chocolates, guilty, I remember being confused why when I sneezed in the peanut butter one morning, everyone was grossed out and nobody else wanted any. It, it became my peanut butter that day. Every, every room in this house has a memory attached to it of my, the first 12 days of my life. This house is made up of little events and little memories that formed me into who I am and in many ways were the building blocks of, of our family even today. Uh, of coming home to a family that, that was not perfect but was consistent. A father and mother who, who loved us, who corrected us when we made mistakes, and who embraced us when we asked for forgiveness. A family of imperfect consistency. I can remember my oldest sister standing up for me to, to another parent in the neighborhood who was mad at me when I was being yelled at. She stood between us. I can remember my other sister teaching me about music in her room and her collection of, of records and, and what it, she taught me what it meant to spend a lot of time and accept a younger sibling even when he was annoying. I remember a brother who even though we fought a lot would stand up for me when someone had roughed me up. And I remember things like my father kissing my mother in the kitchen when he'd get home from work. And he'd always say, give me a kuss. And I remember wondering why he said it that way. I remember my, my dad telling bedtime stories about Christians who, who stood up for their faith even when things got difficult. And I can remember the day he told me, when I asked him about the scar on his chin, he told me that he received it when he was in the Air Force barracks, praying 
when someone threw a boot at him and caused him to have a scar for life. But the two strongest memories that I will always hold of my father are his faith and his forgiveness. And it was modeled for us every day in little ways and big ways. We, we all gave my father ample opportunity to practice forgiveness and he took advantage of it every single time. But I also remember that my dad was quick to ask forgiveness. If he had ever disciplined too hastily or raised his voice, I remember hearing his, his, step, his uh, footsteps coming down the stairs and I thought, oh, I'm about to get more and often it was actually to come to apologize for disciplining too rashly. The strongest visual memory I have of my father throughout my teenage years in a different house than this one was to see him kneeling next to his bed in prayer every night. That is burned into my memory. There was, a never, there was never a question for any of us in our home of who or what my father built his life on. In my father, there was a strong consistency of faith in the work of Christ and a continued display of faithfulness to his family. During the last week before my father went to be with Jesus, which was the trajectory of his whole life, it was the week that, that COVID took over the world, his room at the care home was full of family members. My mother, all of us children, some of our children, and in some cases, our children's children. All of us confessing our love for my dad. And it wasn't because we had memories of a father who, who took us on big vacations every year who gave us treats or gave us what we asked for. In my childhood, I don't ever remember going on an epic camping trip or, or big family vacations that I could boast to all my friends about. I know we went to Disneyland, but I actually have no recollection of that trip. I was very young. I, I only know what the rest of my family tells me, which was that I cried all the way through Pirates of the Caribbean, but I still said it was my favorite ride. I, I don't remember a lot of big things like that in our lives. Our family was, was, was based on the long haul of everyday walking together. And for my father, that meant to the best of his ability to do so empowered by and moving towards Christ. And it was because he understood the long faithful walk of a husband, of a father, as a Christ follower, he, he made allowances for others' faults not only in our family, but among his friends. And he, he forgave anyone who offended him. He was, he was acutely aware that Christ had forgiven him and so he would forgive others. And because of that, he was a man of mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He always fought to make sure we knew we were in a safe, loving family, always aimed for unity in our family, never made us feel like our relationship was in jeopardy if we made a mistake, and always aimed to repair brokenness in our relationship. Now I tell you that story to tell you the story of the gospel and the church and also to boast about my father a little bit. You know throughout the, the New Testament the invitation of the gospel has been an invitation into a new community. The church, the language used by Jesus and, and his disciples is of family. In 1 John 3 chapter 1 he says this, he says, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. Paul writes in Romans 12, verse 5, So it is with Christ's body, we are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Again, the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 2.19, So now you Gentiles, you, you who had no connection with God before, we're not part of God's family, you're no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Guys, Christianity, first and foremost, invites us into community. 
we are called into the church. When we are called to live as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called into community. We are called into family. There, there is simply no biblical idea of Christianity without the church. There is no Christian walk. There is no Christian growth. There's no Christian experience without the church, without Christian community. So the question we need to ask is what kind of family do we want to be? What kind of family do you want to be a part of? Because I know that many of you watching come from difficult families. Many have experienced what a dysfunctional family looks like, where, where time together is actually toxic and it's dehumanizing, where, where your mistakes are recorded in each other's hearts and minds so that they can be played back over and over and over again. That's not the kind of family that Christ wants us to create. In fact, he makes it clear that, that love for each other should be the hallmark of our church, the hallmark of the Christian community. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 35, it says, Let your love for one another, it will or your love for one another, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And, and in fact, it was this kind of love and, and service that turned the heads, uh, the, the head of the ancient world. The people of the ancient world, leaders, the emperors, would, would look at the church and see the way it loved each other and how it took care of each other as a family and would be blown away. That's why it's always been a demand of the gospel that the Christian community ought to display unity to a disunited world. I mean, has there ever been a time when there was more when this was more necessary, when there was more of a need to show unity to the world. There probably was, but it's definitely necessary now. The church is called to display love and unity, and it does its best work for the kingdom of God when it does so. The Apostle Paul writes a powerful description of how the church ought to function in its everyday life. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 15, he writes this. He says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Listen, to call ourselves the church means we are entering into relationship with a group of people that in any other situation in the world, we may not possibly associate with. Galatians 3.28 describes it says, There's no longer Jew or Gentile. There's no longer slave or free, male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And in that scenario, the, the church is called to model for a broken world, a broken culture, what it looks like to live in harmony, acceptance, forgiveness, and love. The long haul of Christian community is not built on a fantastic Sunday experience. The long haul of Christian community is not built on a revival, but on the everyday walking together, empowered by and moving towards Jesus Christ. And this can only be sustained, as Paul says, with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This can only be sustained where there is an allowance for faults and where forgiveness is a part of the air we breathe. The everyday practice and assumption is that we do all we can to live in peace with one another. 
So we might need to ask ourselves today, is there a brother or sister in Christ we need to do a Zoom call with after this, would do with after this? Our faith cannot be built, strengthened, or fully experienced if we try to do it solo. It can also not be built up, strengthened, or fully experienced if we are only looking for the weekend experience or a big show. Christian community is covenantal, the Bible teaches us. It's not only about what we get out of it. It, it's saying yes to a community and saying through the, through the big and the small stuff, the easy and the difficult stuff. When I, when I feel like you're a blessing and when I feel like you're a curse, I am in this for the long haul. That is why we invite people to become members and say a, a public yes to our church, to say yes to doing life together for the long haul. It's why we invite you to community groups. It's not on the mountaintops. It's in the daily grind, the daily living, the flow of forgiveness for those who offend and, and serving others with our lives where we find the true soil of the Christian life and the Christian experience. I tell you, traditionally, the, the, the Western church has loved the kinds of problems, at least the modern church, where we can just throw casseroles at. A broken leg, a new baby, help we can offer that has an end date. Where we, where, where we get fuzzy is when we're invited to walk next to those suffering from things like mental illness, ongoing marital problems, habitual sins, the, the invisible stuff where, that don't have an expiry date. We don't know how long we will have to support and love and forgive. See, but Christianity, the Christian community, it calls us to the long, faithful grind. That, we, that, that means we commit ourselves to being people of forgiveness. We have to be because as we become a part of the Christian community, a part of the church, we are joining in a covenant that says we're not going anywhere. So we will fight to live in peace with each other, support each other. And often that means asking for and freely offering forgiveness. The only way this works is if we make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends us. Some of you have heard me, me say this before when, when I speak of, of my marriage or of marriages. For my wife and I, we, we believe we are in a covenantal marriage, which means neither of us are going anywhere. Which means we need to be careful what we say to each other, how we treat each other, because it has implications not just in five minutes or ten minutes, but in five years and ten years and, and twenty and hopefully fifty years. Because I'm not going anywhere, so I'm going to have to live with what I say and what I do. It's the same if we want to be the community that Christ has called us to. Christian community is covenantal. It's in for the long haul. And the last thing I, I would say to you today is that Christian community is belonging for the broken. It's an opportunity for the broken to find healthy community. When it comes to my family, keenly aware that stories of families who stay together where there is never a question of whether or not you are loved, I know that's not the norm for many people. And then when they come to, to faith in Christ and enter into the church community, they come broken and they come wounded. They come having a, a very difficult time even accepting or even comprehending what a loving father is, what a loving community is. But I tell you, when the church, when it's done right, it's, it's the family that that person needs. A community that says, since God chose us to be the holy people he loves, we clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We make allowances for each other's faults, and we forgive anyone who offends us. We remember that God forgave us, so we forgave others freely. Above all, we cover everything with love, which allows the peace that comes from Christ to rule in our hearts. I mean, isn't that the kind of community that people are crying out for? 
That's the kind of community that, that steps next to the brokenhearted and says, we are with you for the long haul of every day walking together, empowered by and moving towards Christ. And if we don't do that, then we're not the church, at least not the church that Christ has called us to be. A community that displays unity to a disunited world that says we are in this for the long haul. We don't care what you're bringing with you. That offers belonging to the broken. This is the call of the church and the invitation for all of those who call themselves Christ followers, Christ followers but, but have tried to do faith without the faith community. Church, I want to invite you uh, with, with these words of Paul in Colossians. Let me leave you with this. In Colossians 3, chapter, uh, verses 16 to 17. Let the message about Christ, in all its richness, fill your lives. So that you can teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. From his community, giving thanks through him to God the Father. God bless you, church.